I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Boy, am I full. And probably you are too. Think about all those wonderful meals we had with the family and our friends over the last couple of weeks. Not to mention all those cookies and candies and other sweets. So if you think you ate a lot over the holidays, imagine being a professional eater. Today, we're talking with Katina DeJarnett. She's won over 100 eating challenges and has hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. I'm looking at you, Katina. You are a little thing. (laughs) Thank you, Libby. And and, 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 you are. You're you're very petite, and you don't look like you eat much at all. I think that's kind of the fun of my gig is walking into restaurants and then ordering massive meals and then just watching the shock and awe as I finish something. (laughs) That's that's always a fun little spin on things because often they don't know that my moniker online, what everyone knows me as, is Katina Eats Kilos, which is a play on words, obviously, that... I'm capable of eating kilos. Where did you get the name? How did you come up with Katina Eats Kilos? Actually, it's kind of funny. Way back in the day, I was actually a bodybuilder, also into CrossFit a little bit. And so on Instagram, I had this goofy little handle and I was Katina Lifts Kilos. And so when I kind of made the transition from bodybuilding, I was like, well, I mean, now I'm not really lifting kilos. I'm eating them. And so it just made sense to sub out lifts or eats, and uh, it kind of just stuck. So that's kind of how that started. What's the most you've ever lifted? My best lift was I did a 298-pound deadlift way back in the day. I think it was like 2017 or so, and I weighed about 120 pounds at the time. So that was a proud achievement for me. I was going to say that must have surprised a lot of people. I mean, there were some strong people at my gym, but it surprised me, that's for sure. <laughs> now, did you do that competitively? No, not really. I only did bodybuilding competitively. So that's kind of my origin story. We'll dive into it. You don't even have to ask. I got started with competitive eating or professional eating from a bodybuilding show I did in 2019. Now, while I was dieting for that show, all I could do to like stay full was to watch videos of people eating. And so I was dieting so hard. I was hungry all the time. So I would watch people on YouTube eat food. And so I kind of went down this rabbit hole of starting to watch these food challenges. And as I watched them, I started thinking like, you know, I think I could do that. And so after my bodybuilding show, I needed to put on some weight. And the most logical thing that made sense to me is why don't I give these food challenge things a try? And so I went out, bought a little camcorder, looked up like this, a small local food food challenge to do while I was living in Spokane, Washington. And I went out, filmed a small food challenge, was still hungry afterwards, wanted dessert. And I just continued filming bigger and bigger challenges. What was that food challenge? It was a very small one. It was only like a pound and a half. It was at a place called Fat Burger, and it was called the Triple XL King Burger Challenge. And I did it. I wanted dessert after, and the rest is history. I just kept finding bigger challenges. How, how long did it take you to consume that? I think like seven minutes. So, Maybe. so it, I mean, you can eat fast. No, that was pretty slow. For oh, wait, that was slow. That was that was quite slow. Um, but I mean, I guess compared to the average person, that was pretty quick. But I've always been a fast eater and a large 
portion eater. One of my dad's favorite stories of me is actually as a child, he took me to like a checkers or rallies, same thing. And I think I was like six and he just ordered me, he had a coupon. So he got like two of these big combo meals, which is like a big burger, some fries and a big drink. And I was through the burger, through the fries before he was halfway through his burger. And I said, daddy, can I have some more? And he just looked at me and was like, oh no, we're in trouble. (laughs) And uh, so I, I can just say that I've always had a very big appetite. Did you ever just for fun as a kid, you know, like camp or when you, you know, be there with the with the siblings or the cousins, do like who can eat this the fastest? No, you know, I never did um, because I, I kind of got put on a diet at a very young age, too, because of my appetite. So I always kind of had to be portion controlled because I just wouldn't stop. Who, so Who put you on a diet? Uh, my mom, actually. She just saw how much I started eating. This wasn't very, very young. This was probably when I hit probably about 12 or so. Were you putting on weight at the time? I was, yeah. So I kind of went from being in all sorts of sports through middle school to I kind of slowly kind of got into video games. And so I kind of stopped moving as much. And so the amount that I was eating was higher than my activity level all of a sudden and then you have puberty which is adorable and I just started putting on weight like crazy and so it was like okay so my mom kind of was like okay I can't really call it a diet but let's start portion controlling and thinking about what food is and so I kind of ever since I can remember kind of had to limit my intake just a little bit not in any sort of cruel way just because I mean obviously getting large super fast when you're young isn't exactly the most healthy so I ended up getting quite large anyways and I what do you consider quite large I was 5'2 and 160 65 when I turned 21. And so there was this moment where I was in a fitting room and I kind of just had this breakdown. I was like, I can't breathe right going up a flight of stairs. I need to do something to change my life. And I was kind of just this artist, still a little bit of a video game nerd. And so I kind of wanted to take control. And so I reached out to, it was just like an influencer online. He was doing this like a competition for free nutrition and fitness coaching. Mm -hmm. And so I I wrote my little sob story about how I wanted to get in shape and I won this competition. And so he basically wrote me this diet and fitness plan. And so it got me into the gym for like really the first time in years and years. And it got me thinking about food and calories. And so from the age of 21, I lost all sorts of weight in like three months. I lost like 30 pounds. It was really fast. That's a lot. I Yes. And I absolutely fell in love with bodybuilding and fitness. And so at that time, when I was 21, I decided I don't think I want to do art anymore. I I don't really like being in an office anyway. I think I want to get into like personal training and lifting and fitness. So I kind of switched gears and became a personal trainer. But it wasn't until 2019 that I kind of swerved and went into the eating realm again. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. That was really cool. And it taught me that I could push myself harder than I ever thought. Katina DeJarnett talks about her time serving in the United States Air Force. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins. We're talking with Katina Eats Kilos. Her real name is Katina DeJarnett. You were in the Air Force for a while? Yes, yeah. I was um, active for about four years, and then I was on the Air National Guard for three. They kind of watch what you're consuming when you're in the military. Oh, 
I don't know about that. I'm al- am I allowed to say that? There's a lot of junk food in the chow hall. Let's just say that. So um, I, I, had, I had to make really good choices. There was a lot of willpower involved in there. And I do remember while deployed, I was, I was on kind of another round of dieting to get leaner. And it's kind of the cyclical process of putting on muscle and leaning back down, putting on muscle and leaning back down. Because to put on muscle, you have to eat in a calorie surplus. And so you get, gain a little bit of fat as you're putting on muscle as well. And so I decided I'm deployed. There's nothing better to do. Let's diet a little bit. And I would go to the chow hall and the workers didn't speak like much English, um, but they learned to call me spinach when they'd see me coming because I would have them load my tray with cooked spinach in like a giant mound. And then I would just top that with like a little bit of chicken. And that was like my dinner every night. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of just this fun little twist. I was kind of like the Popeye of the chow hall. <laughs> now, when you when you came out of, of the military, mm-hmm. you did go into personal training. I did not. So um, I was a personal trainer uh, actively for only like two years. Um, at the age of 23, I decided that I kind of wanted to expand my leadership skills and um, – I wanted to do what's what was called uh, National Outdoor Leadership School, and it's this the school that that teaches you leadership via being outdoors and leading expeditions. And so I went on a three month long, basically semester abroad to New Zealand, where I went around the South Island. I spent one month sea kayaking, one month backpacking and one month mountaineering throughout the South Island of New Zealand and learning how to be a good leader all while getting college credits for it. And it was this really transformative experience that taught me how to lead people, how to endure incredible Uh, hardship, I guess you could say, and discomfort because you're walking quite a lot. You're in the elements, you're in the cold, you're dealing with new people. And it taught me a lot. And so from that point, I ended up moving back home after that trip to New Zealand. So during the time leading up, I was in California. I moved back home to my mom's house temporarily. And I thought, oh, I will get a job as a personal trainer at her local gym. It's a tiny town. I wouldn't have had much clientele. And I kind of saw that while I was working out at their local gym. And I was like, you know, I I need a big challenge. I don't know what I want to do with my life quite yet. I need a big challenge. Um, My father was Air Force and my mom's current husband is Air Force as well. And I was like, well, why don't I give the Air Force a try? I love to travel. I love being fit. I love a good challenge. And I want to be able to lead and do some cool things. And so I joined the Air Force. And I was I was active duty in that based in Louisiana for for about four years. I've got to go back to this leadership course that you took in New Zealand. What can being out in the elements teach you? In, in terms of being a good leader, being uncomfortable is temporary. In that case, it was kind of long term, but you can be the best leader by building the best team. So if you can get your team to trust you as a leader and you trust your team to be supportive of you and that they individually are equally as capable of being leaders, that's how you get the best like cohesion. And so that was really cool. And it taught me that I could push myself harder than I ever thought. So my fitness experience leading up to this was just lifting heavy weights and putting them back down. I didn't have good balance. I didn't have good coordination. I had no outdoor skills. And so doing all this and being completely out of my element was uh, just really mentally, I guess I already said it, transformative and uh, really awakened the fact that if you put your mind to something and are able to push through discomforts, you can truly do just about anything. I can imagine that the leadership skills that you learned there really helped you when you were in the military. They they did in a sense, but I was never in a position, just my ranking system, I was never put in a position to really be a leader. Um, was that frustrating I, to you? Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I, I kind of 
put myself in some leadership positions, like going through training and, and such. I had some minor leadership roles, but within my job, it was such a complex job. I was working on conventional cruise missiles. And so that takes a lot of time to learn. And so I, I was mostly learning throughout my entire time of being active duty. And so there wasn't really an opportunity to lead. And I don't know that you would want to trust somebody that's brand new to really lead. Uh, You took turns practicing being a leader, but you weren't officially a leader, if that makes any sort of sense. You would do small tasks and maybe lead like small uh, maintenance operations, but nothing massive or life-changing. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations... He reached out to me really last minute and said, hey, I have this big team challenge I need to do in Alaska. Would you like to be my partner for it? Katina reveals how she found love through competitive eating. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's return to our conversation with Katina DeJarnett. You probably know her as Katina Eats Kilos. Going back now, you're out of the military. Mm -hmm. You kind of played around with doing some personal training, bodybuilding, whatever. And then you saw that video challenge Mm -hmm. where you had, what, a pound and a half? Not quite a kilo of food? Yeah, quite. All right. Were you hooked after that? I was. Yeah, I, I saw how how fun that was. I felt great afterward. I had fun editing the videos because, as I mentioned, my, my original kind of degree plan was in art. And so I had a lot of fun editing the videos and such. And as the food challenges kept getting bigger, the more kind of recognition my videos started to get. And it was very quickly, which is quite unusual, that my YouTube channel was making me a living as opposed to just being a side hustle. And so that was kind of the moment that I was like, okay, so I'm going to finish out college because at this time I was... Air National Guard and going to Gonzaga University for a kinesiology degree. Um, I was like, I'm going to finish up this kinesiology degree, but I don't know if I'm going to have to do anything with it because I think this is going to be my main career is entertaining people and and having fun making this this art form. And it, it has ever since. So, uh, I mean, I'm four years in now doing great. I ended up meeting the love of my life while doing this. And uh, we've traveled the world since then. And it's it's been amazing. Well, and I've got back up here because <laughs> I, I, I would think a lot of people are thinking, hold on. How did you meet the love of your life while eating? (laughs) And tell us that story. Where where were you? What happened? What was the magic moment when you when you locked gaze? (laughs) So um, a little bit of backstory is uh, my boyfriend's name is Randy Santel, and he is actually one of the most famous of the professional eaters. He's the one that made the website that I found all of my food challenges on. It's called foodchallenges.com. And I know that the radio listeners can't see it, but that's the polo I'm wearing right now is a foodchallenges.com polo. And um, I had known of Randy. I'd watched a couple videos. We'd interacted online a little bit. Um, But in about July of 2020, he reached out to me really last minute and said, hey, Uh, I have this big team challenge I need to do in Alaska. Would you like to be my partner for it? And um, I said yes immediately. I was like, this is really cool. I get this opportunity to meet to meet Randy. He's um, he's kind of a legend in the professional eating circuit. He had 
like almost two million followers at the time just on YouTube, almost another two million on Facebook, like legend. And I was like, okay, this is going to be really cool. I didn't think anything of it, though. I actually thought our personalities would clash because I thought that based on his videos that maybe he would be a little bit more structured and have this very, um, I guess, meticulous personality. And uh, we met up in person, and he is one of the most fun, spontaneous, wild people I've ever met. And it was almost instant that I was like, oh, he's kind of he's kind of cute. I love his personality. And throughout several food challenges, we didn't end up doing just one. We did five, I want to say. All in Alaska? All in Alaska. Um, what were you eating up there? Uh, our first challenge together was a massive barbecue platter. And my first video with Randy, which was this huge opportunity, I lost. I lost by like one bite, basically. Um, I, I just couldn't get it down. I knew that if I ate one more bite, that all the spectators in the front row would be, um, let's just say, wearing uh, my food, if that makes sense. So I didn't take that final bite. <laughs> um, I just um, conceded and took the loss, which was just really devastating for me. Was and, he disappointed in you? Um, he he has admitted that he was like really worried for me because we still had four challenges to go. And he was like, oh, if she can't do this one, is she going to be able to do the next ones? Well, my determination level went to like 9,000 after that. I uh, made sure that on the next challenges that I did everything I could. And these were not small challenges. I had been used to maybe five pound challenges leading up to this. I'd done some restaurant challenges around the five, maybe six pound mark. That first one to kick it off, that barbecue challenge was about seven and a half pounds. So that was bigger than anything I'd ever attempted. So to be only about one bite away was very impressive and for me. And barbecued what? It was, oh, it was barbecued everything. There were wings, there were ribs, um, there was like disco fries, which are basically fries covered in chili. There was a dessert um, that was like a brownie with like a bunch of ice cream in it. Uh, I can't even remember all that was on this platter. It was it was immense. Um, but uh, yes, and then the, the next challenge that we did together, if I remember correctly, was a eight pound breakfast. And it was... What did they put in an eight pound breakfast? Um, it was like a two pound cinnamon roll. And then there was reindeer sausage, I believe. There was like bison or buffalo sausages as well. And then it was like uh, numerous amounts of eggs, hash browns, all that sort of stuff um, served in like a paella. It was massive. <laughs> um, I ended up getting through that by the skin of my teeth. That was massive. We ended up doing a team seafood challenge together where we had to work together to finish um, about 13 pounds of food, which was insane. And uh, had to be yeah. a lot of salmon, crab legs, things it, like that in Alaska. It was, yes, it was a lot of all of those things. And along with some really unique things, too, like there was like seafood pizzas. There was like lobster bisque, which just blew my mind. It was delicious. All sorts of these things. But when you're that full, nothing tastes delicious anymore. But uh, yeah, we ended up pushing through all of that. And by the time we got to the team pizza challenge that we had planned to do together all along, I was so full. And I just remember Randy looking at me and just saying, do your best. And I was like, you're going to have to carry our team for like the whole reason that we came all the way to Alaska, Nanana, Alaska. And uh, we had this 10 pound pizza that we had to do together. And I maybe ate a third of the pizza and Randy carried the team. We had four seconds to spare before we would have lost this challenge because they're timed usually. And um, after that challenge, we were just like so happy we won. The news was there. Uh, the whole town of Nanana was there practically. And we were staying together that evening in separate rooms, I might add. But we ended up kind of linking up and sharing our first smooch that night. So nothing like a 
belly full of pizza to spark romance. That's what I was going to say is how full do you feel after one of these competitions? Don't you want to just go lie down? It depends. So some of the challenges, so like say if it's around five to six pounds, depending on the type of food, it's it's not that uncomfortable generally. Um, we have a lot of people like subscribers or fans come out and watch. We invite them out. We have an event. We invite them out to watch and we'll sign photos and stuff. And so after the challenge, you don't have time to be to be down. You're taking photos. You're signing autographs. You're selling merchandise. You're meeting everybody and talking. And so it's kind of distracting. Um, there are occasions where Randy recovers quite a bit better than I do, but um, where if it's maybe seven pounds or more, I'll just be kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry, like leaning back and like just doing my best to say hello and keep a smile on my face because I'm quite uncomfortable. Um, and then there are other ones where... If you, you're lucky if maybe a lot of people don't show up because you just want to go home as soon as possible and either walk it off or, yes, lay down and sleep it off. Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. It was this mixture of the craziest food types that you would never think go together, but so did. I had to eat, it was about seven and a half pounds of food. Katina talks about the most unusual eating challenge she's ever faced. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. And I'm Libby Collins. Our guest today is Katina D. Jarnett. I hate to ask you this question because I don't want to put you on the spot, but I have to ask because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, is there ever the temptation to purge yourself? The temptation is obviously there because that would be the easy way to go, if that makes sense. That's the easy route. And unfortunately, that's kind of common in professional eating. But Randy and I kind of pride ourselves in if you get sick after a challenge, you get sick. Your body sometimes rejects it. But the goal is never to get rid of it. And we pride ourselves in the fact that we keep the food down and we work it off the hard way. And so that is why we have these cycles of we'll go out and do these food challenges. We may gain a significant amount of weight. Uh, and then we come home and we diet for a period of time. So I, what I like to do, for example, is we just got back from basically since January being on the road doing food challenges abroad and such uh, across Australia, Asia, Europe. And so I put on probably 10 to 15 pounds, somewhere around there, and probably lost a good amount of muscle as well because I couldn't work out. And so now that I've amassed all those videos, I'm home slowly releasing those videos all while dieting back down because I've, I've gained weight and you have to do it the hard way because that is also the healthier way, admittedly. I want to have my teeth when I'm 45. You know the health consequences of doing things that you mentioned. So um, yeah, the, the easy route really isn't an option, especially because we would eventually like to be in the diet and nutrition and fitness space alongside these food challenges that we're doing. And eventually, the goal is to hopefully combine our passion of nutrition and fitness and slowly start to ease away from food challenges and then just become really well-followed, I guess, mentors in the nutrition and diet space. How long does it take you to lose the weight after you've competed? I prefer to do it at a slower rate if I can. And that's simply because it's more sustainable that way. Um, I prefer to try and maintain my strength and such. So like, for example, right now, we've been home for eight weeks or so, and I've lost seven pounds, which doesn't seem like a lot. But through that time, my strength numbers have gone up quite a bit. I have leaned out significantly. And this is going to be sustainable for the long term. How do you hear about these challenges? Are they by invitation? Do you go looking for them? 
Sometimes we have to go looking for them, but mostly in the United States and some of like the like the UK and Australia is a little bit easier because these food challenges already exist. And as I mentioned, Randy owns foodchallenges.com, which is a database of all the food challenges that kind of exist. And we learn about these and they get put onto this database by people reaching out and saying like, hey, I went to this local restaurant and they had this poster for this food challenge. Here are the details. And you just it's kind of some hearsay. Other professional eaters or competitive eaters even will go out and, and find these and report back to us on what they all are. And so we're able to add to this database. What's the most unusual or unique food challenge you've ever been involved in? There's one that I always go back to because it was one of my favorites and it had the most variety. It was at a restaurant called The Ugly Grouper in Florida. And it was this mixture of the craziest food types that you would never think go together, but so did. I had to eat, it was about seven and a half probably pounds of food, roughly, give or take. And it was outside in this really cool environment. You're in front of the mascot of this restaurant, which is an ugly grouper. They have this giant 15, 20 foot tall metal grouper that's just ugly and hideous in the background and it's just made of metal and it's Florida so it's just reflecting sunlight off of it this thing is a behemoth and it's outside there was live music and I'm there eating like a Polynesian style rice out of like a pineapple that was hollowed out I had fried green tomatoes mozzarella logs I had these giant seafood tacos that had a cheese skirt coming out of them I had dessert which was like I believe a beautiful like turtle style cheesecake I had a cocktail it was amazing one of my favorite meals of all time I don't really recall feeling full after that because everything was so new and so enjoyable I was just like getting it down the hardest part was the heat eating in the heat is pretty rough but oh that was so good ugly grouper shout out still ahead on WTMJ conversations between five and six pounds there's really not nerves anymore seven pounds plus Ooh, I'm nervous Katina eats kilos. Her real name's Katina DeJarnett. Talks about what goes on in her mind while she's in the middle of a competitive eating contest. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back to WTMJ Conversations. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Let's go back to Katina DeJarnett. Is there like a dream challenge that you haven't competed in yet, but it's sort of like the Mount Everest of eating for you. Yes. There is a restaurant in either the LA or the San Diego area. It's called Fat Cells. And they have this Fat Cells Big Fat Fatty Sandwich Challenge. And I know for a fact that even at my best, if I train as hard as I can, I'm going to lose this challenge. But I want to try it anyway. It's about a 10 and a half pound sandwich. And the most I've ever really done is maybe nine pounds if you're including like liquid and sweet and savory in mm-hmm. a balance. This is 10 and a half pounds of pure sodium fat craziness. It's like a three foot like hoagie roll type thing loaded with like French fries, fried jalapeno poppers. I believe there's like chicken strips, all sorts of deep fried, you name it, it's on the sandwich, which is why it's called the big fat fatty. Only the most elite of eaters that I can think of have been able to finish this thing. I don't care that I can't finish it. I want to go and face off against it and just have a good time because it is just the dream to even give it a shot. How do you prepare for something like that? What I like to do to prepare for that is I like to eat like a large, lower calorie meal of like vegetables and such. So what I do is generally... One of my favorite methods, I have two favorite methods. One of them is to eat like a giant salad that's 
about five, five and a half pounds. And then afterwards, drink a two liter of like a diet soda. And the bubbles in that giant soda basically help expand you even more. So in the end, I may be only having seven and a half pounds total of volume, but that little bit of gas from the soda kind of gives me maybe that little extra stretch. And that usually gets me prepared pretty well. And you do that how long before the competition? Usually the day before. That's only like before doing a series of food challenges. So once I've done that one to two times maybe, and then I go and do my first food challenge, that first food challenge then prepares me for the next food challenge. Then I don't have to train like that anymore. So as long as I kind of maintain my capacity by doing food challenges, I don't really have to train per se because the challenges themselves are the training. You seem to approach this almost like a professional athlete. In a way, yes. <laughs> and I think anybody who's ever played sports or done anything competitively has to have a certain mental focus. Correct. What's going on in your mind? As you're sitting down, you see this food in front of you. You know the idea is you've got to finish it in X amount of time. How do you stay focused? It can be very difficult. And it also depends. If it's in that, as I keep mentioning this, like five-pound range, between five and six pounds, there's really not nerves anymore. So unless there's some sort of crazy curveball, like it's cooked funny or I just happen to not like the taste, I'm quite confident that I'm going to win mostly. Above that, six pounds to seven pounds, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a rough one. Seven pounds plus, I'm like, oh, I'm nervous. You know, if it's if it's in that range, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. And one of those things is you get started, fake it till you make it, basically. You, you just psych yourself up, just think, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to put on a good show for all the people that are here. I'm going to film the best video that I can for the people that are here. And you can push past so much discomfort. And that goes all the way back to my my time at National Outdoor Leadership School, no matter how uncomfortable you are, you can still perform. Like your body will give up or your brain will give up before your body will, if that makes sense. Your brain will be like, ah, you're, you're done. You're tired. It's trying to, to regulate what you're doing. Uh, you're done. You're full. Your stomach is stretched out. You don't need to eat anymore. And it's like, no, I know. I know I got this. And so it's like turning off that little demon that's on your shoulder and saying, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put on a show. And sometimes that works out. And other times, uh, it doesn't matter how much you tell your brain, no, your body finally does actually give up and quit. And uh, you have to call it quits. Now, are you doing the actual uh, photography while you're eating? Yes. So I basically, oh, it it takes a little bit of practice and it depends on how fancy you want to get. But I just set up one stationary camera um, at, that films me while I'm eating but leading up to the to the challenge like I'll film maybe some of the making of the the food and then maybe I'll film some of like the outside of the restaurant or some of the inside of the restaurant to to kind of give a visual of where I'm at and what I'm doing and then um, I'll do some video shots of the food and such and then I'll overlay that over my speaking during the actual video and then can it, you talk while you're eating yeah, uh, yeah, I talk while I'm eating quite often. A lot of people actually complain about that. She talks too much. And it's like, I'm having fun. I'm, I'm presenting food. Uh, while I am competitive, part of my the pride in my job that I have is that I like to promote these restaurants as good as I can. And um, and, and that's that's really cool to, to be able to do that for some of these restaurants and to have people reach out and say, I went to that restaurant that you did that challenge at and it was amazing. Thanks for the recommendation. Those sort of things are really cool. So, yeah, talking may slow down my time. I may not get records or anything. Sometimes I do anyway. But I'm not going to always get a record because, yeah, I'm, I'm chatting. I'm having fun. I'm making something entertaining. Nobody wants to just watch somebody sit there and eat. Um, if they did, they would watch mukbangs. How, how, how 
can you make it entertaining when you're consuming that quantity of food? Oh, just having fun with it, just admitting when you're uncomfortable or when taste is getting too much. Um, I like to pretend I'm slightly funny. Um, and I, I mean, I, I burp. I'm a disgusting human being. So, I mean, you just you you have to embrace the the little things that you do that are part of challenges. You can't like shy away from them, you know, full full transparency as much as possible with these things. And I think transparency and honesty is kind of what makes the videos watchable instead of just putting on an act. You know, you're you're actually going, wow, like this burrito is delicious, but four pounds in, it's not so delicious anymore. All I want right now is like some ice cream. Like the, I mean, the little things that people understand, everybody understands that at Thanksgiving, you talked about Thanksgiving, you get through the Thanksgiving dinner, but there's always room for pumpkin pie or there's always room for your apple pie or dessert. And where does that come from? And it's the same thing with a food challenge. There's always room for that little bit of sweetness. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. It took some time. I think my mom was really swayed when I told her some of my bigger paychecks that came along down the road. Katina reveals what her parents think about her career. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with Katina DeJarnett. You probably know her as Katina Eats Kilos. What do your mom and dad say? You, you, you start out by telling us that your dad was really concerned uh, <laughs> when you ate that burger and fries in record time. Uh-huh. Your mom put you on a diet when you were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction to what you do for a living now? I think they knew that I had this background in nutrition and fitness and that I would be able to balance it health-wise. I mean, obviously, at first, there was some skepticism, I guess, as far as, like, the safety of it and, like, oh, what if what if you choke, stuff like that. But it's really, it's really not that scary. I'm not trying to do things in record time. I'm not scoffing hot dogs whole like the 4th of July or anything like that. That's not my gig. Um, it's it's more just me versus the food at the restaurant. So it took some time. I, I think my mom was really swayed when I told her, you know, some of my bigger paychecks that came along down the road. And um, she was uh, embracing it <laughs> a little bit more down the line. All right, th- and that brings me to this. How much can you make as a professional leader? Uh, I, I won't give it away. It's not it's not easy for most to make any sort of living um, using YouTube. It's so hard to find a niche. I I really am blessed and lucky that I was able to become successful doing it. And I I have to thank the fact that the the food challenge community is pretty tight knit. And as I was getting started, a lot of them were shouting me out, giving me like sharing me with their subscribers. And that was enough to get me kind of a steady following, which boosts your algorithm a little bit on YouTube and puts your videos out there more. And then I made sure that I stayed consistent with my post timing. So people knew that they could expect two to three videos from me per week. And I made sure that I was doing things that were trendy and stuff like that. And so me getting lucky enough to monetize early was number one a big blessing and then number two making these these small breaks where I would have videos go viral and one of the ones that really helped me out is um, Olive Garden does this thing called like the the never endless pasta month or whatever you go and they'll feed you pasta for $17 or whatever it is so I filmed a video of me going there and doing a never ending pasta challenge at Olive Garden and I got through like nine bowls a couple breadsticks and some salad and that video, I think because it was so relatable because so many people have eaten at Olive Garden. I mean, uh, it's it's like the McDonald's of Italian 
food or whatever. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> you go out and people understand like I go to Olive Garden. I can eat one breadstick and one bowl of pasta and I'm stuffed. I, I go home rolling. You ate nine like that caught on really fast, hit the algorithm. And I got a massive following from that as well. Um, and so it kind of snowballs. The popular videos really help surge you in the right direction. And then that kind of momentum just stays if you continue to post consistently. And where can we see your videos? You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, all as Katina Eats Kilos. Well, Katina, what are you going to have for lunch today? I am on a diet, as I mentioned before. So I am having myself a fine, fine salad and um, maybe an apple. <laughs> We've been talking with competitive eater Katina DeJarnett. You know her as Katina Eats Kilos. We found out how she got into the world of competitive eating, how she met the love of her life while she was doing it, and also some of the challenges she's faced in those eating contests. Now, if you joined us late and you want to hear our entire conversation with Katina, go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Libby Collins.